0: Uh, like Pastor said, I myself have been saved for merely only seven years. So just, just a testimony of myself and what God has done in my life. Um, I had kind of a different upbringing as everybody else has. There's no childhood like the same for any of us. So basically, when I sat down with Joel back in... Uh, 2013, I believe it was, yeah, at the coffee shop, we, like he said, we sat there for a few hours, and a lot of people say that they've come to Christ through trials that they've had, like things were just really tough and they were searching for answers, but me, I was in a good spot, I just, I had questions, you know, I, I just, I had questions with answers that I myself, my friends couldn't answer, but I was hearing a couple different messages and I realized that there was a vacancy that I had. So when I talked to my coworker and went and sat down with Joel, all those answers and those missing puzzle pieces actually started to fall into place and it gave me that great picture of exactly what I was missing. So I just want to just take this time where you don't have to be going through trials. You don't have to be going through just desperation to seek Christ. Everything can be going great in your world, but just understand that if you don't have that relationship with Christ, understand that it's still missing. Understand the importance of it. Because just because you're in a good place doesn't mean you don't need him. Understand that you need him to continue that good place and to be there and ready when those trials and tribulations do come. So, with that being said— I will open up with just a little word of prayer before we dive into uh, the lesson that I prepared this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the ability to just have this opportunity to present what you put on my heart to the church. Lord, I pray that through the message that you've prepared for me, that somebody in here or online that is viewing is touched with the message that you've given me to prepare and Lord, I just pray that you're with the words that come from my mouth and the sheets of paper that are before me. But Lord, I just pray that you're with us throughout this whole message. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as you can tell, you can probably hear the heartbeat going through my chest right now because with the little artery in my neck and the fact that the uh, mic is really close. So I am a little nervous. It'll all level out like it always does. So myself, I also... From day one, being with the church. I also do lead the Thursday night connection groups as well, so if I do look familiar, it's from there as well. But also, that being said, I'm very reserved, so yeah, I'm sure you've seen me, just I haven't talked to you because, well, I'm shy, so don't let that deter you. So, like I said with my testimony, there's one thing that every relationship needs, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, and I guarantee every marriage will tell you that the only thing that is key is communication. If you don't have communication, you're not going to have clarity, you're not going to be able to express your concerns, you're not going to be able to just grow as a unit without that communication. So as I gave my life to Christ that late August evening, the one thing that bothered me was, I always seen Christianity on TV. Everybody's like, okay, well, okay, what now? Well, the first thing you need to realize, like I said, with every great relationship, now that I have that relationship with Christ, is communication. So when you establish the communication with Christ, it's through one thing, and that is prayer. So with today, I'm going to touch on the importance of prayer and the importance of praise. So if you don't have the prayer life that you feel like you need, I hope this is encouraging to you. So after I got saved and I was driving home, I thought to myself, I was like, so, okay, now how do I talk to God? Do I have to do it like the athletes on TV where they... They kneel in the end zones and, you know, cross their shoulders, dot the I's, cross the T's, everything else, kiss their hands, and point to the sky. Is that, is that all needed? Is that how it's done? So, the question I always had, and I even messaged Joel quite a bit for the, past, for the first few weeks, was, how do I know I'm praying correctly? Like, how do I know I'm actually getting through? Am I saying the right words? Am I ending it the right way? So a lot of times you can treat prayer as a checklist of things to do, like a chore chart like that sits on your fridge. Okay, did I earn this gold star today? Did I make sure I prayed? Put the sticker up. But understanding why we pray is the biggest thing. So if you look back in Matthew, there's one question that all the disciples had, and if I were to walk the disciples' footsteps back then and seen all the things that Jesus did, I would want to know, okay, how could, how could I heal the sick? How could I give sight to the blind? How could I feed the 5,000? But the only thing that they ever asked was, teach me to pray. They didn't care about doing the other miracles. They didn't want to know how to be what they were supposed to be. They just wanted to know exactly how to pray. And you want to basically change it from being a ritual habit to doing it because you just want to. So prayer is defined as a spiritual communication between man and God. And a lot of people pray without the relational connection with God and end up not talking to who they think that they're talking to. So the goal of prayer isn't necessarily for your need to be met, but to build on the relationship that you're trying to have with God, and also have the understanding when God doesn't give you exactly what you're praying for. So why do you need to have the relational communication with God? Because what you're praying for is because you need something or someone up there to do something for someone down here. You need to step away from the physical and invite in the spiritual. So prayer is not necessarily going to make God do something that he doesn't want to do. Prayer merely accesses what God already wants to do but wants you to recognize the need for it. Everybody here that has children already know what your children need. But when your children come to you for help is when you're encouraged to help them. It's when you you step back and go, my child's need is only gonna be met through what I can provide. So they recognize that they need me to help them, which is just as like just exactly how your spiritual life works. All God wants you to do is recognize that you have a need for him in your physical and spiritual life. You might know he's there, just like everyone here that has children know that their kids are there and their kids know that you're there, but the fact of them actually understanding that they can't do it without you is humbling and exciting because they you now know that they need you and they understand that they have safety in you. So the importance of prayer is really magnified in this one story in the Bible when they talk about the feeding of the 5,000. So in the feeding of the 5,000 there were only two fish and five barley loaves. And they had a multitude of people that they had to provide for. But if you recognize in this story that Jesus himself even prayed for something up there to do something down here. If, the prayer is that, if your prayer life is that important that you see Christ himself going to prayer for the divine intervention of what God can do on this earth, Just imagine how important it is in your life and exactly just how much God can provide for you when you don't necessarily have the means to provide for yourself. So when you're praying, you're talking with God. You're talking with your creator. You're talking with your father. So in Matthew 6, verse 5 says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. So in other words, what they're they're saying here in Matthew is some people come to church to play the part. they, They come and, like I said earlier, they treat it as a checklist and try to earn the favor and their social stance among the other people. Hey, look at me. This is what I do. You know, I'm praying, I'm dressed to the nines, I shine my boots up. It's, it's the Pharisee attitude. You want to play the part. But like Matthew 6, 5 says, Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So basically, like I said, those people come on Sunday, but once they walk out of the sanctuary— The scene for that is over, that they have to play until next Sunday. They're not taking what they learned on Sunday or in the connection groups or through one-on- one Bible studies. They're just like, you know what? Check it off. I played my part. My scene is over. I got lines due up in another seven days. But that's why it's they say in Matthew 6 5 to not Be as like them, because what they've gotten, they've already gotten. What they have in store for them has already been received. There's nothing for them. So, in other words, Christ is saying in Matthew, you may have them fooled, but don't play that part with me. I know your life outside of Sunday. I know what your life consists of on a Tuesday afternoon. I know what your life very well could be considering on a Friday happy hour it's it's basically like you can't hide anything from him so the next verse in verse 6 says but thou, when thou prayest enter into thy closet and when thou hast shut the door pray to thy father which is in secret and the father which seeth in secret will reward thee openly basically It says that prayer is an open communication with God, not just open communication to God. You can't just treat God as a suggestion box. You can't just say, hey, I'm gonna fill out this card, hope you do something with it. Just like I was talking earlier with your children, you need to have that open dialogue. If If you tell them no for some reason, explain to them why not. Have that communication be a two-way street, just like when I was talking about the marriages. If you don't have that communication, you're, you're not building anything. Your communication is your foundation. And what exactly I'm saying is, not only does God want to hear from you, but he also wants you to hear from him. Prayer is meant to be a dialogue, not a monologue. So, what they're emphasizing here in, cha- in uh, chapter 6, verse 6 is, go to where you have no distractions. No onlookers that you're doing this for to earn the, the stature of, you know, Pharisee, look at me, glorify me, the icing on the cake. You're not going to be able to hear exactly what God has for you when you have all sorts of other things going on around you. So everybody here has had that phone call conversation where, like I can tell you, like with me, I've called, say, my uncle, and I want to ask for advice on how to fix something in my house. But if he's got the TV going, if he's got the radio going, if he's trying to have a conversation with somebody else while I'm on the phone with him, there's no one-on-one time. He's not taking it serious. So if you don't have your one-on-one time without the distractions with God, then there's no seriousness. Disperse all distractions. Everybody, who, who here has seen that movie War Room? It's the same concept. Go into a room where there's no distractions, nothing's gonna stop you. It's just you and God. Let that importance of not only expressing what's on your heart, but hoping to hear what he has to fix your heart. So, when you go when you go to pray, don't necessarily hang the phone right away when you're done. Wait for it to see exactly if God is going to give you the guidance at that time after you pray to hopefully give you the steps that you need to take. It may not come at that exact moment, but just anticipate that open dialogue. So, I've already touched on the importance of prayer, but as pastor will tell you, in our Thursday Connection groups, I always kind of make it a point to really just take a time for praise. If you recognize exactly the, the thankfulness and the good things that God has provided for you. It's one thing to go to him when you need something. It's one thing to go to him when your world is in despair. But to understand what he's already done for you and the things in your life that are going right is a whole other chapter, and it's just as important. So in James chapter 5, verse 13 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray is any merry let him sing songs so that tells me when you're in pain you pray but when life is good you better be praising understand that you should be thankful when you don't have trials that you're facing at that time i'm not saying that they're not coming cuz they're on their way but rejoice in the in the fact that you're not in them right now so what is praise Praise is defined as an express of warm approval or admiration of. Psalm 150 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and the organs. And praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the the high-sounding cymbals. And let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So in six verses in Psalm 50, it's telling you the importance of praise. Praise him for his acts. Praise him for everything he's already done. Praise him for everything he's going to do. Praise him for his excellent greatness. Praise him for, with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with dance. Praise him with the string instruments like we do every Sunday with the numerous songs that we sing. But in everything, praise the Lord. So even though you feel like you may have nothing to praise God for, Remember that everyone in here has plenty to be thankful for. Even if all they see are their troubles, they need to be to remember where God has brought them thus far. Everyone in here has at least one thing to be thankful for. And if you can't figure out that one thing, then you need to shift your focus to the things that God has brought you through and encourage you to look at the things that you're praying for And are the things that God is going to do. So if you recognize your prayers that you may have said 6 to 12 months ago, look at the look at the answers that you've gotten from those. It may not have been exactly the answers that you're looking for, but praise God that you're able to actually be here and talk about that stuff right now. Be thankful for exactly everything that he's provided for you, whether or not you see it now or not. One of the biggest things I'm always thankful for Are the blessings that I don't even know of. And I'll tell you, even from my own personal standpoint, I praise Him for my trials because my trials give me growth. My trials have brought me closer to God. So I can't sit here and pull the woe is me in my trials. No, I'm rejoicing. I'm thanking. I'm absolutely just joyful in my trials because that means God's gonna use me through this trial for something else. There's no reason to hang your head in your trials, but there's so much more reason to rejoice in your trials because there's so much that's going to come through those. So praise him for your trials. Praise him for the avoided trials. Praise him for everything. Just be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians Chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So there's a lot of people in here that would love to hang their head with what the past 360 days have brought them. And when he told me that I was going to close out 2020 up here, this might be one other thing that you want to hang your head about. I get it. I totally understand. But let's just take this moment to give thanks that you're not the ones up here having to give this message. See, so there's 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 praise in everything. So so just be thankful. So in Psalm 34 it says, "I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul make her boast in the Lord." The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So I want to take this time to emphasize something there in verse 3 where it says, magnify the Lord with me. So when you magnify God, you don't necessarily or physically make him bigger, but you will make him all you see. Without the distraction. As you get closer to something, everything you see in your prayer fields tends to disappear. So when you magnify your focus on God and what God has for you, then you're you're well kept. Because now you have your straight focus on your provider, on your heavenly father, and what exactly he has for you. So what you're basically doing is you're making God bigger than your problem. In Psalm 50, verse 23, it says, Whoever offers a thanksgiving sacrifice honors me, and whoever orders his conduct, I will show him the salvation of God. Psalm fifty four six says, I will freely sacrifice unto thee, I will praise thy name, O Lord for it is good. So, right here in verse 54, or I'm sorry, chapter 4, verses 6, it says, I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name of the Lord, for it is good. So, take that word freely. So, if I were to come out and say, I go to Caleb. I say, Caleb, I just wanna thank you for everything. I wanna give you, here's, what do I have? I have 10 bucks. I wanna freely give it to you. I wanna willingly give you everything that because of what you've done for me. But because I'm not willingly wanting to give it to you, you don't want it, right? But if I were to freely give it to you, it would make you happy. It would encourage you. So that's why I say to you, freely, willingly, Give the praise. Freely give the praise. Don't there, there's no there's no rejoicing in the fact of having forced praise. It's vain. There, there's no fruit in it. So if somebody were to come up to you and just thank you for something, you would be thankful that they recognized it. You wouldn't expect them to be thankful. You would want them to freely be thankful. So understand that he's not going to force you to praise him. He wants you to do it all on your own. He wants you to recognize what he's done for you. He's not going to force you to be happy with it. He wants you to acknowledge the fact of he's done it on his own accord as he wants you to do your own praise on your own accord. He's not going to milk you of it. He wants you to do it yourself. So freely praise God for all he is, what he has done, so you can recognize in the future what he's going to do in your life. And praise him again when that time comes. When you give praise, that could be the barrier to for a non-believer that doesn't necessarily know exactly what God has done for you in your life. If you share with somebody that doesn't necessarily know what you've gone through, exactly what God has pulled you through, because everybody in here knows that nobody knows what somebody else is going through. So if you share what God has brought you through, could be that one straw that brings them to their faith in Christ. That's why it's so important to praise your trials like I do because I know that through that trial it's going to relate with somebody else in their trials that don't necessarily know the love of Christ. That's why it's so important to share the changes physically, spiritually, and emotionally that God has done in your life with somebody that doesn't know the love of God. And what God can do for them through what God has already done for you. So, in closing, I just hope to encourage you to take your prayer life a little bit more seriously after today than what you already have before this. Everybody in here, no matter where your walk is with Christ, I think we all can agree that our prayer life could always be a little bit better. And I think we all could realize that we should take our, little, our praise a lot more seriously too and recognize the things that we're thankful for that we don't necessarily know that we're thankful for. So rather than a chore list on a fridge that you're trying to put a sticker by as a look what I've done, when it's ultimately look what he's done, look what he's gonna do. One of my favorite verses that I like to uh, recite in my connection groups is what Billy Graham always used to say. He always said that the mountaintops are used for views and inspiration, but the fruit is grown in the valleys. So that being said is when everything in your life is going good and you're on the mountaintops, praise him. Be thankful that you're on that mountaintop, but know that your spiritual life and your relationship with God couldn't be done just on the mountaintops because that fruit is grown in the valleys. Understand that it's through those trials that you become a more cemented Christian, a more cemented believer, a more cemented father, husband, because if you talk to any orthopedic surgeon when you break a bone it's intended to heal back stronger so sometimes we need to break our lives down so we can be built up a lot more stronger and given to God so let's praise him even on the mountaintops but also in the valleys but definitely be in prayer feverishly when you are in those valleys so he can show you the stepping stones to get back to those mountaintops.